Well, good morning and welcome to Friday's edition of Shelter Daily and His Word. So glad that you're with us today. Thank you for spending this 30-minute uh, time slot with us. It is a joy to be able to bring the Word of God to you today and just to be able to share with you what it is the Lord has been uh, dealing with us about and also just to kind of get into the Word and just spend some time together um, studying the Word of God together because that's such an important part of what we do as believers, you know, to grow as believers, uh, it's important for us to feed our spirit man, and the Word is so important to us in that process. So thank you uh, for joining today. Glad that you are here, and we're going to uh, continue our discussion this uh, morning on uh, dealing with conflict, and today what I'd like to do is I'd like to talk about uh, how to deal with unresolved conflict and some of the things that, you know, the process that we go through. Uh, you know, one of the things I've, I've learned is that, you know, it's amazing how that uh, just one broken thing can produce so many rippled effects. Uh, you think about what happens if, uh, you know, your, your furnace breaks down, let's say, especially as cold as it's been. Uh, you can only imagine what it would be like if you were asleep at night and, and while you're sleeping, your furnace doesn't come on. Uh, you get up in the morning, you notice it's very, very cold out. Next thing you know, uh, your pipes are frozen. Other things. It's just that one thing leads to another, leads to another, leads to another. This is one of the things that conflict does. And if, if we could ever really realize that and see uh, the list of people who are affected when we, uh, you know, are in a relate when, when just one relationship breaks down. If you know, when you look at just one relationship and the breakdown that takes place uh, when that happens, boy, I tell you what, it's a it's a stunning reality. Uh, of the damage that can really exist. And I think that's one of the things that we have to always uh, be mindful of when we're trying to deal with uh, conflict and what we need to do to restore uh, and, and to uh, bring resolution to some of the conflicts that go on within our relationships. And, 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 and so today what I'd like to do is I'd like to uh, look at Matthew, uh, in, in the book of Matthew, and I want you to go to chapter 18. And I want us to look at Matthew 18, 15 through 17. This is uh, uh, what we call this the, uh, the Matthew 18 principle. This is a, a principle that uh, is very important when it comes to uh, dealing with issues, uh, especially con conflict, things that come up and arise uh, with uh, brothers and sisters in Christ. So let's look at what it says, starting with verse 15. But if your brother shall trespass against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he hears you, you've gained a brother. But if he will not hear you, take one or two more with you, so that in the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. And if he shall neglect to hear them, tell it to the church. But if he neglects to hear the church, let him, let him be to you as a heathen and a tax collector. This is a, this is a very important uh, scripture when it comes to knowing the process of dealing with unresolved conflict or issues that would arise within the body of Christ. So I, I've said this before and I've preached this uh, many times in our congregation and you may have heard me say this when I talked about in the past about what I call the porcupine syndrome uh, and this is, a, this is a syndrome that's very evident uh, within the body of Christ. And we, uh, we understand the necessity and the importance of uh, needing one another, how much, how much we need to be with one another, the connection, the unity, and all those things. And yet we find ourselves going through this 
ritual of coming close together. And then along the way, we needle one another. Now this doesn't just happen in church, it happens even in family relationships where situations arise, stuff happens, and you, you know, uh, things are said or done, and it's like jab, 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 jab. Well, when that happens, you know what, you know what takes place, we pull away. And that's a, that's a very dangerous thing to do because in pulling away, a lot of times that creates walls and barriers. And what we don't want is we don't want a bunch of walls and barriers to do because then we have to try to figure out how do we navigate to resolve those things. The Bible tells us in, in Acts chapter 2 and verse 42, it says that we're to continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. It says, this is talking about the early church. They, they were always in the, the, the uh, 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 dealing with and working with the doctrines, the fellowship, the breaking of bread, prayer. So there, there's things that I notice about this. Uh, they're, they're staying solid in the word. They're continuing fellowship. They have meals together. They break bread. Uh, this, of course, is also the Lord's Supper. So they were, and then they were also praying with one another. And they continued with one accord in the temple, breaking bread from house to house. They ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. So there is, there's an important, uh, important issue that we, that we find here in that we need relationships. We thrive better when we have relationships. And because of that reason, it becomes very important for us to ensure that we do all we can to resolve the conflicts that may arise. Now, the other thing I want us to look at too is, is there's a need uh, for us uh, to make investments in relationships. So we need to invest in relationships. The Bible tells us in Matthew 5 and 39 that uh, uh, whoever slaps you on your right cheek, then you are to turn uh, the other to him also. Uh, and so the, the idea here is, is that when, when uh, someone strikes out at you or speaks out at you or says something to you that, that would uh, hurt you and it would, you would almost feel warranted to uh, retaliate, uh, we, are, we are to be careful not to uh, return evil for evil. We're not to do that. Instead, what we're supposed to do is we're, we're supposed to turn the other cheek. And, and with that in mind, what, what that means is that we're supposed to be a people of forgiveness. You know, it's interesting that Jesus talked about this in Matthew 18 when he talked about uh, he was approached by his disciples. How many times should we forgive? And uh, he asked, well, what does the law say? Well, this is the law says this. And they said, well, uh, you know, uh, you should then 70 times seven, uh, which what Jesus was saying is that this is an unlimited amount of, of forgiveness. You should be willing to forgive. If God forgave you, you ought to be willing then to forgive others, no matter what it is that they have uh, done to you. So this becomes a very, very important aspect of resolving conflict. What I'm doing here is, if you notice, we're, we're kind of setting a basis like a, this is the foundational things that we use in order for us to resolve conflict. And, and the other thing is we're, we're supposed to pray for those. Uh, praying for those who do wrong to us. This is probably one of the more challenging things I think sometimes. I think forgiveness is probably the most challenging thing to just walk in forgiveness. But I think that there are times when uh, just praying for people uh, who, for whatever reason, they, they, they've done us wrong. You know, Matthew 5 says, in verse 44, it says, But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, and do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. So, so here's this, this idea that uh, we're supposed to pray for 
the people that uh, hurt us, that, 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 that you know, abuse us in, in, with words, and even to the point of even persecution, that would mean, you know, even, even uh, at times even bringing bodily harm uh, to, to you and I. And then, and then uh, we have to understand then that from that, from that foundation, if we, if we can work with this aspect of, uh, of knowing how to uh, invest our time into uh, the, the lives of relationships, then it becomes important for us to ensure that we are not going to retaliate, we are going to forgive, we are going to pray for those uh, who are wrong, because we know that in the process of human relationships, there are going to be times when conflict is just simply unavoidable. We've talked about that. There's just times when you're just not going to be able to avoid it, no matter how much you try, uh, unless you live you know, in a monastery somewhere where you never even you know, go outside into the world. But even there, you probably would end up having conflict with others who are living in the monastery with you. So um, unless you're going to be a person that lives all by yourself and isolate yourself away from the entire world, uh, you know that conflict is going to be there. It's unavoidable. It is going to happen. Uh, Matthew 18 tells us in verse 17, though, if he refuses to hear, then tell the church. If, if, if they refuse to even hear the church, then we are to then, uh, this is the aspect of what do we do that, that we, we've, we've went to that person, we've talked to that person, they, they won't listen. We've taken another brother or sister and they still won't listen. Now we bring it before the body of Christ. We say, okay, the, the church, let them hear it. And they still refuse to hear what the church has to say about it, the, 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 the correct way to resolve things. Uh, this is where all communication basically breaks down. There is no other uh, thing happening. The Bible says to let them, let them be like a heathen or a tax collector. Let them be like those who, who are outside the body. They, they refuse to even heed the word of God. As, as Christians, as believers who walk with Christ, we walk in this manner. We are to be people who uh, are willing to be teachable, right, in order for us to be able to walk together. So this becomes very, very important in our relationship. You know, unresolved conflict is unhealthy because when we have unresolved conflict in our relationship, there's a lot of anxiety. Conflict leads to all sources, you know. It, in fact, it's the leading source of anxiety uh, within the person's life and, and relationships. When there's that, you know, uh, I like what Proverbs 21, 9 says, it's better to dwell in the corner of a housetop than in a house shared with a contentious woman. Now, don't, don't uh, you know, get, get mad at me here. I didn't say it, all right? This is what the, the, the uh, Solomon said. Uh, and I think that it goes both ways. I think that it's better to, you'd be better off living in the corner of the house even if you had a contentious man, if a man was, you know, uh, uh, your husband was just one of those people that just, you just cannot seem to resolve anything, and there's always anger and there's always frustration there. Uh, Proverbs 21, 19 goes on to say, better to dwell in the wilderness than one who's contentious. Uh, so uh, the idea here is, is that, you know, you're better off just getting away from that person altogether. Uh, as a, he says, as charcoal in, in, in Proverbs 26, 21, as charcoal is to burning coal and wood to fire, so is a contentious man to kindle strife. So, you know, ladies, you know, uh, Solomon doesn't leave out the men. He, he's very clear. This, this goes on both sides. It's not just women. It's men and women. Uh, sometimes it's men to women, women to women, men to men. 
Um, you know, there, there, there can be all these kinds of things. And there's a lot of anxiety that, that really festers up when these kinds of things happen. And, and the Bible tells us very clearly in Philippians 4 and 6 that the real way that we're supposed to act is we are not to be anxious for anything. And yet anxiety seems to be, uh, you know, one of, those, one of those emotional things that go on in our lives uh, because of the fact that we have these conflicts that rise up within the body of Christ. And we need to be different in our approach than the rest of the world is. And this is something that we need to look at and we need to be very clear about because if we don't, we know that this anxiety will lead to a lot of other issues and a lot of other things. And, 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 and conflict is really, uh, is, is, you know, you can't, you can't reach goals and do things uh, together when there's conflict because what it does, it puts a wall between you. So if a husband and wife have a desire for what they want their home to be, they want their life to be, they want their marriage to be, but then conflict arises and all of a sudden you start seeing and you don't resolve it, then you can't walk, if you don't walk together, if you don't agree, you can't walk together. And this is what the Bible says in Amos. If we can't come into some kind of agreement, so we can't learn to agree with one another, you know, on some level. I mean, I know some people say, well, you know, you got to learn to agree to disagree. I don't always know if that's the best answer. That might seem to be for a lot of folks that might, well, you know, we just disagree. I mean, we all have opinions and I understand that. But there is, when it comes to the Word of God, I think the Word of God really does give us some clarity on the best way to resolve conflict. And it's interesting because when you look at what happens uh, in unresolved conflict, you, you begin to see, uh, you know, John Maxwell, uh, when he, he, he wrote, wrote about this, he, he wrote about the stages that a person can go through when there's unresolved conflict. And the first one is this idea of repositioning, or he calls it the repositioning stage. And this is uh, where uh, you look at who caused the problem. And the focus shifts from solving a problem to protecting my position. Uh, this is where you notice that uh, there's a lot of nervousness that comes in. It's all of a sudden you notice that when you're talking to somebody, uh, they start generalizing everything that they say and they begin to, you know, it's, you, know, it's uh, you always do this or you never do that. And, uh, you know, this is the way it always has been. These are the kind of things that, that they verbalize. And when they do that, what's happening is, is that when this repositioning stage begins to take place and people begin to uh, look at who actually is the cause, this brings our trust level down. It drops trust. No, we're not uh, trusting one. And, and now when we begin to communicate with one another, our communication is very cautious. Uh, it's not clear. We're not being very clear about what we're saying. Uh, we're, we can be very ambiguous about the way we say things. And we can even begin to, uh, we move from this repositioning to this uh, next phase is what we call the right stage. And then what, what that means is, I'm right, so you must be wrong. Have you ever experienced that? The person will say, you're wrong. You're just wrong. I'm right, you're wrong. Uh, and and this, is, uh, this is what happens when people begin to move into this, this, this phase where uh, I'm the good person, 
who has the only possible answer to the conflict. I'm the only one. It's got to be my way or the highway. This is where, uh, you know, people start taking sides. This is an interesting thing that happens because, and I've seen this, I've, I've seen this uh, even as, as a pastor, I've seen this in dealing with, with couples. I've seen it in dealing with church matters when you, when you deal with churches where uh, people begin to, uh, one, one camp is over here, the other camp is over here. People begin to label, uh, you know, the other camp or the, vice versa. And they, they focus uh, that they were supposed to be on shifts away uh, from solutions. Now, the only thing that matters is we're going to win. It's all about winning. It's all about, it's, it's, it's we're right, you're wrong. And so what happens with this is that people begin to communicate. When they do, they, they really begin to overstate things. Uh, they begin to distort the conversation. Uh, things are being said, uh, they're saying things that were not said that, you know, that uh, other, well, I heard you say this, and I heard you say that, and, you know, so this whole thing, what really is happening is that the communication is really starting to break down here because they're not looking for solutions. They're really looking for just winning the argument. I'm going to win no matter what, at whatever cost, it doesn't matter. Then there's, there, this moves then into this, there's another stage that people get into is what we call the removal stage. And this is where we just get rid of them. We'll just get rid of those people. Uh, you, I don't like what you say. I don't like what you've done. I don't like the fact that you don't agree with me. Therefore, I don't want you around. And this is where people are no longer satisfied with just getting their own way. Now, they literally are wanting to get rid of the opposition. Uh, this is where uh, in, in relationship break, uh, breaks down in a, in a husband and wife, and this is where uh, divorce becomes the only answer. Now, the only alternative we have is divorce. I'm just, I'm, I'm leaving. I'm walking out. I'm never coming back. And these ultimatums kind of things begin to happen. And, 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 it, and it, it's because of these two different camps. And for whatever reason, uh, they can't seem to resolve it. What's interesting about that is that, that, that usually when, when this, especially in church relationships, when this happens, there's usually a clear leader on both sides. Somebody is taking a position and they've been able to rally their troops to gain, you know, uh, position and a foothold and they're all standing together. And, and it doesn't really matter whether they're right or wrong. That's not even the issue anymore. Trust is out the window. There's no such thing as trust. And, and so the only thing that matters now is that I'm going to get rid of this situation. I want out. I don't want no part of it. I'm leaving. People leave churches over these kinds of things. People leave relationships over these kinds of things. All of this begins to happen uh, at, this, at this very stage where we're wanting to remove, get rid of. And we think that by getting out of that, that that resolves it. That, hey, it's over. I don't have to deal with that no more. But here's the thing I've noticed. Even when, even when you walk away from a relationship, or you divorce, or you leave a church, or whatever, you carry with you that conflict. It, it follows you. And if you don't deal with it, if you don't, if you don't look at a way to deal with matters like that, what's going to happen is, is that it's going to crop up again in the next relationship, in the next church you're at, or in the next place you are. Why? Because it's unresolved. There's one more stage. And this is one that I think is very dangerous. And this is where uh, not everybody moves to, but boy, I tell you what, we've seen it. 
uh, in people. You've probably heard stories of when this is called a revenge stage, uh, where people seek revenge. They're going to make you pay. I'm going to make them pay. You hurt me, I'm going to hurt you, but I'm going to hurt you in a way that you'll never want to hurt me again kind of thing. People are not satisfied with just, uh, you know, uh, a resignation or uh, just a divorce. No, I, I'm not just happy with a divorce. I'm going to take you for every dime uh, you have. I'm going to take everything away. You're never going to see your kids again. Things of this nature. This idea of, of becoming so uh, overcome by uh, your anger and your frustration and all the emotional things that are going on to where now you are out there and, and, and really uh, you become almost fanatical about it. Uh, you can't uh, talk to anyone without that becoming the focal point of the conversation. You can't uh, speak to them. And this is really, it's a sad state of affairs when people get into this because this is, uh, uh, this is that area what we, we talk about when we talk about unforgiveness and, and, and the idea that uh, I will be on, I'll only be satisfied when that person is dead or they're completely out of my life uh, where I never have another uh, issue, whatever, and if I can somehow bring that pain to them, it'll make me feel better. The problem is it never does. Why? Unresolved conflict doesn't bring satisfaction. Uh, even revenge doesn't satisfy. Uh, this is, uh, this is uh, almost, uh, you know, people, especially in revenge, they almost feel like it's a moral duty from that point forward to seek revenge. And uh, this is uh, where, I mean, think about it. This is where you've probably seen on, on television, uh, especially on those uh, uh, investigative stories about a wife who seeks out someone and pays someone to kill their husband. Uh, this, this kind of thing that goes on. And it, it never goes well. You know, it never goes well. Uh, even even uh, churches that divide and, and they think, well, we'll be better off without them. We'll go over here and start our own church. They have this idea that, oh yeah, we can. It doesn't, it usually doesn't go as well as you think it will. Now you might have a season of time, but the truth of the matter is unresolved conflict is still unresolved. It's, if it's unresolved, that means it's not fixed. So, you know, the idea here then is, is that, well, if we come to these places in our relationship and, you know, and, and we're not able to resolve this, are there times when we should walk away from things? Are there times when, and even, even Jesus said that, you know, once, you know, the church has tried to resolve it and the person just refuses any kind of resolution, they refuse to even try, he says, just consider them like a, a heathen or a tax collector. And uh, which is, of course, uh, an illustration that Jesus was using because of the, the fact that, you know, tax collectors and heathens in the Jewish perspective was, was you know, really kind of, they were the kind of the ultimate betrayers, if you will. Uh, a tax collector was usually Jewish who was collecting taxes on behalf of the Roman government who was bringing persecution against the Jewish, his own people. And he, his, the tax collector's idea is, I'll be a tax collector, therefore I won't be a part of that. But they, they dealt with just as much persecution because now they not only, if they didn't do their job right, they were persecuted by the Romans, but they were also disliked by their entire community. And, and this is what happens. It's, you know, you're, it's going to be just like that. They'll be completely dejected. 
they will be an outcast of society and they will, they will not be able to uh, be a part of anything that goes on. And, and Titus chapter 3, verses 10 and 11 says, you know, reject the device of man after the first and second admonition, knowing that such a person is wrapped, is, is, is uh, just warped and they're, and they're uh, living a life of sinning and they're being self uh, they're, they're, they're being self-condemned. In other words, they've condemned themselves by their own actions. Their own actions have brought destruction to their life. So let me, let, me, let me just say this. One of the things that you notice with people is when a person decides, I don't want your forgiveness, I don't want to resolve this, I don't want to do this, then they have basically said that even though God has demonstrated his love toward us, that while we were sinners, Christ died for us, Romans 5, 8. Even though that's, been, that's the way it is, they basically said, I don't want nothing to do with that. So how do I resolve conflict when those kinds of things come? Well, there comes a moment where you're going to find yourself, uh, you know, walking in this situation where that you cannot uh, work with it any longer. And that is a sad state of affairs, not on your part because you've done all you could to try to resolve it. In fact, let me give you, uh, in the last few minutes here, let me just give you a few steps that you can take uh, to resolve conflict. Number one, be the first to resolve the conflict. Uh, remember what uh, Matthew 18, 15 says, uh, you know, leave your offering at the altar, go first and reconcile. So be the first to reconcile. Secondly, focus on the goals that are bigger than your personal differences. Uh, we're going to have differences. There's no doubt we're human beings. We often see things differently, but we need to focus on things that are bigger than our differences. In other words, don't focus on the differences. Focus, focus on the goals. Make every effort, Ephesians 4.3, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Number three, you need to listen. This is so important. Listen to what others are saying about how they see the situation. Listen to what they're telling you. Listen to how that they're, they're, they're speaking to you about it. Uh, to answer before listening, Proverbs 18 says, in verse 13, that is folly and shame. So, you know, a lot of times, you know, we're trying to answer before we're listening to everything and we're trying to uh, uh, interject. Don't do that. Listen first when it's done and then interject. That's the better way to do it. Number four, validate. Validate things like feelings and without minimizing the concern, all right? In other words, uh, I, I, I hear what you're saying. Uh, I recognize that this really is you know, intense for you. I know that it's hurtful to you, but I also understand that there are things uh, that are that are important for us to try to resolve here, and, and and you can James one and nineteen through twenty tells us you know how we can do this. The other thing I think you need to be is important here is tell your story. Now, this is this is one of those you got to be careful with because what happens is is that if you're telling your story, oftentimes we'll start blaming. So you have to avoid the blame game. All right, but you have to acknowledge that yeah we've had a misunderstanding. I may have misunderstood what you've said. You may have misunderstood what I've said. And we want to try to make sure that we clear that. And we don't want to get into this idea that, well, it's your fault because you don't listen to me. 
uh, I like what Proverbs 18 says. It says, you may think that you've won your case in court until your opponent speaks. So there might be that moment where you're thinking, all right, I've set my thing. And all of a sudden, when you listen to them, you know, how does this affect you? What, you know, what is it that you, know, you need to say to me about the situation? And if you can, the idea here, avoid blaming. I'm not, it's not, I'm not pointing my finger at you, but these are the things that I recognize that are going on in the relationship that I need to deal with because I don't want, I don't want that to be left unsaid. And then number six, I think is really important here. Be the first to apologize and ask for forgiveness. Be, be, the, first, be, be the bigger person in the relationship. Uh, I mean, it's not a contest, but like Colossians 3.13 says, you know, bear each other's burdens and forgive one another. If you have a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgives. This should be the mode of operation for all believers. Let's just walk in forgiveness. Let's be bigger than the situation and let's be forgiving to one another. And then maybe one of the last things you can think about is maybe discuss how to avoid conflict in the future. You know, uh, if you see these things are going on and you know it, you know, sometimes, you know, it's better, you know, for instance, let's use one example. Let's just say you have a difference of opinion about politics. Then just avoid talking about politics. Let's not talk about that. Well, there's a lot of other better things to talk about. Let's talk about those things. We don't want to. We don't want to. But see, it needs to be on both sides. And this is where you will recognize it. We need to come to agreements. We will not talk about these kinds of things anymore because we know what it does. But what we will do is we'll always look at the things that we can do to help build one another. So these are some things I think is very important for you to do. And I hope that you will do that and, and, and learn how to, you know, go back and listen to this again. And, and look at how you can avoid uh, these conflicts so that you can resolve them, so you don't go around the rest of your life without them being resolved, okay? Let's pray together. Father, thank you. I'm so thankful that your word speaks to us, God, concerning these matters, that we don't have to do this on our own, but you sent the Holy Spirit to guide us, to lead us, to help us. And granted, God, I know that there are times when no matter what we've done, no matter what we've said, no matter how humble we've been, we may not be able, God, to resolve these things. But Lord God, as much as within us, we're going to walk in forgiveness, we're going to walk in your love, and we're going to always treat those individuals with love and respect. Because God, you love us, you forgave us, and we will walk in that. And God, we will not, we will not go around talking about them, we'll not, we'll not share negative things about them, but we, Lord God, would just help build. And God, thank you. Thank you that there are those moments, God, where we can resolve these issues and we can become stronger brothers and sisters because of it. God, I pray that you'll build us and encourage us, touch families today, strengthen them, God, move upon them, help them and bless them, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you and thank you so much for uh, spending this time with us in Shelter Daily in His Word. My prayer is that you'll always uh, look to the Word of God to help you in all the things that you go through. And uh, remember, if you don't have a home church to go to, uh, you can check us out at jubileeworshipcenter.com. We'd love to hear more about you, and we'll be able to uh, just join together, and, and we look forward to that time. So God bless. Have a great day.